A woman haunted the woods behind my house. I used to watch her from my bedroom window. She glowed silver in the moonlight, a pale wraith in a white dress that curled around her ankles and twisted in an ancient wind that didn't touch the pine trees around her. My brother, Mark, would tease me about my interest in her. Some days he called her my obsession, on others, my overactive imagination. Watch out, Amelia! he'd say, throwing his hand against his chest. She'll lure you out into the woods and steal your soul. But that was before. I hadn't seen her in six months, not since the night she'd watched Mark die. I pressed my palm flat against the screen and waited, like I had almost every night since I'd come home from the hospital. Nothing stirred outside. The line of forest along the edge of our yard stood still, Black branches stretched toward the sky. Not even a breeze fluttered the gauzy curtains around my window. The woods were empty. Everything was empty. Come on, I whispered like I could summon her with my words. The clock in the hallway chimed, its bells echoing through the silent house. Three in the morning. I sighed and turned from the window. If she hadn't shown up by now, she wouldn't show up at all. Sometimes, on nights like this, when the corners of my brain went fuzzy from exhaustion, I wondered if she had disappeared because of me. If maybe I had wanted to see her too much, and my wanting had scared her away. And then I'd think how absurd that was, scaring away a ghost. Whatever her reasons, she was gone. They were both gone. I slid out of bed and made my way down the stairs from my attic bedroom, careful to avoid the third step from the bottom that always groaned underfoot. Mark's bedroom sat directly below mine, right across the hall from my mother's. I turned the knob slowly and pushed open the door, its hinges creaking in protest. Crap. I froze, hand still on the knob, and waited for my mom to appear in her doorway. She didn't need to know about my late-night habits. I told her, and my therapist, that the nightmares had stopped, and they had, technically, as long as I didn't let myself sleep. I counted to ten. No movement came from behind her door. No rustle of blankets, no shuffle of bare feet across the wooden floor. I let out my breath and pushed the door open the rest of the way. I kept the lamp switched off and crept across the floor. The silvery white glow from the full moon gave me enough light to see, and even if it hadn't, I knew my way in the dark. Mark's bedroom hadn't changed since the accident. His laptop was still open on his desk, next to a doodled-in textbook and his unfinished chemistry homework. A purple University of Scranton hoodie was thrown across the bed, one sleeve turned inside out. His duffel bag, half-packed full of clean clothes, sat on the floor in the middle of the room, like he'd just gone out for the night and would return in the morning. I beelined for the built-in shelf that held Mark's movies. He had hundreds of DVDs, mostly movies I never would have watched before. Sports documentaries and slasher flicks and raunchy comedies, but they made me feel close to him. It was too dark to read the titles, so I ran my fingers over the plastic cases and picked one at random. I tucked the case under my arm and turned to go. Tires crunched on gravel a moment before headlights cut a wide swath of light down the wall right over Mark's posters of the Philadelphia Eagles and some red-haired model in a tiny white swimsuit. I frowned. 
Our street was a dead end. It was rare enough that someone would drive by during the day. I crossed to the window beside his bed, the one that overlooked the side of the house. Our driveway was dark, but there was a car pulling into Miss McAllister's driveway next door. Her porch light switched on at the same moment the driver parked and killed the engine. Miss McAllister stepped out onto the wide, wraparound porch. She ran a hand over her hair and looked up at the window where I stood. I let out a squeak and ran, heart slamming against my ribs, stopping only to close Mark's door behind me. By the time I reached my bedroom, I'd managed to get myself back under control. The room behind me had been dark and wasn't like Miss McAllister could have seen me from where she stood. I set the DVD on my bedside table and ran my hands over my face. Outside, a car door slammed. Voices, one low and deep and one higher, carried across the still night, right through my open window.